I'm delighted to announce that the National Association for Primary Education has exclusively released a video from its Primary Education Summit, Visions for the Future. This video, recorded by me, Mark Taylor, and Al Kingsley, talks about creating digital strategies for schools. This video is available for you to watch now at educationonfire.com forward slash blog, which I really hope gives you a taster of some of the amazing content that was available as part of that Primary Education Summit. That's educationonfire.com forward slash blog. Hello, my name is Mark Taylor and welcome to the Education on Fire podcast. The place for creative and inspiring learning from around the world. Listen to teachers, parents and mentors share how they are supporting children to live their best authentic life and are proving to be a guiding light to us all. Hello and welcome back to the Education on Fire podcast. It's great to be sharing some more time with you. And if I could ask just one quick favour, please can you just mention this podcast to your colleagues, people that you think would really benefit and and enjoy this show. The more people we reach, the more impact we can have on the children that we're supporting. So yeah, if you could do that, that would be absolutely fantastic. Now today I'm chatting to Hannah Ricks and she's from Reading Mate. Now, Reading Mate are an education software company that exists to create equal opportunities for all children with a love of reading. English teacher Hannah Ricks and husband James have designed a free app for parents and software for schools that supports and encourages a love of reading. As well as this, they are ensuring that every child has access to books with up to 130,000 ebooks in their app. Now, I think you'll agree this is a fantastic project and an idea which I know is already impacting many, many thousands of children every week. So I hope you enjoy this, my conversation with Hannah Ricks talking about Reading Mate. Hi, Hannah. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Education on Far podcast. Let's start off. Where did that passion for for learning and and reading start for you? Oh, that's a great question. Um, So my my mum... I've never, I can't remember a time I didn't actually see her with a book either beside her or, or in her hands. Um, so she was a huge inspiration for me and, and as, as was my, my dad. Um, so I would often, every birthday and every Christmas, I was given books as presents. It was always one of the, the, the very the sort of a common thread in every, every birthday and Christmas. Um, and I, as a result, had a really vivacious appetite for reading. I really loved the moments that it gave me and mum in conversations that we had about books that we both read. Um, and, and this was as a child, she, one of the first books I remember was, was To Kill a Mockingbird. And that was primarily because she wanted me to sit down and watch um, the film, the black and white film with her. Cause I think she had a huge crush on uh, Gregory Peck at the time. <laughs> uh, I think she probably still did right up until the day she passed away. But um, yeah, so I've, I've always had a really big appetite for reading, but it never really came naturally to me. So it's a sort of, uh a labor of love um and still now actually doesn't come naturally to me um and then learning it was really mostly my teachers actually school i didn't have the best school experience but i loved my teachers um especially my english teachers in in my sort of latter years of education i just i had some phenomenal um history and english teachers who just still to this day i just think they're the most amazing women um, and I had I would have very long conversations with them after class. And I think now, crikey, the patience they had with me just sort of mooching around after class just to really have the company of somebody who was sort of on, on my wavelength. Um, yeah, I just I really I really enjoyed uh, I had a few subjects that I really enjoyed and I, I, I loved being around people that enjoyed them and had that passion. And often it was the teachers and not my peer group. Um, and tell us about 
reading mate where if for somebody who's not come across it before sort of can you sort of encapsulate it in a in a nutshell as it were absolutely yeah so reading mate exists to give equal access to uh children's reading so we, we exist to inspire a love of reading and create access and equal opportunities for all children um as a as a teacher i've seen personally the the opportunities reading gives to not only children's minds and exploring the world around them, but also their just access to the curriculum as a whole. Um, as a teacher, I've seen it as a, a real cornerstone of, of all learning. Um, and then, you know, latterly, their, their real progress throughout life. Um, some of the statistics around um, the, those students who are in their very early years and don't actually have access to books or don't have access to reading at all and then the impact it has on their uh, key stage four scores is really startling and often students who are behind in reading by the age of four they won't ever catch up and more often than not by the time they reach the age of 16 they will be on average receiving or getting grades at least two levels below their peers who you know did have that access and um and it, you mentioned age there what who are you sort of catering for and who are the sort of people that are having access to it sure so we um so the, our, our software reading hub is for primary schools only uk primary schools um but the reading hub app uh, for parents we've actually got a huge range of parents of, of children all different ages in that app and and because it is completely free and will always be free um, there isn't anything stopping even adults downloading it to keep track of their own reading habits. Um, so yeah, there isn't an age limit on the on the at home app, but the uh, Reading Hub school software is is at the minute just for primary schools and uh, special educational needs schools. And it really is, I think, such a key age, isn't it? In terms of if you can sort of even foster the opportunity, like you say, and then you can that sense of of them being able to take that first step in and then sort of open that world especially for someone who hasn't got that access because it's only when you have an experience of something that you can you can decide how far you want to take it absolutely i think you know parents have had a hideous time in the last couple of years um and i know speaking to a lot of our schools um, they really, you know they're kind of burnt out when it comes to doing any sort of home learning or um you know trying to engage with their children's learning but reading really if you if it's done right and if it's done with books that the children really love and enjoy it shouldn't feel like a labor it shouldn't feel um you know like a chore it should be enjoyed by both parent and learner especially in those really um you know elementary years with books like julia donaldson she's the most amazing author and not only because you know she's written some fantastic books but also the way she writes it actually it mimics speech so as a reader if you're not a confident reader as an adult and you pick up one of julian donaldson's books you will think that you are the best public speaker ever because of the iambic pentameter she uses it just makes you feel it's so fluent and also it makes the children engage because obviously you're reading it beautifully but also because of the rhythm it makes anticipating what's coming next really easy for them which immediately gets them hooked um so I think, you know, making that or giving access to that as early as possible is, is really key. Um, and I think a lot of the time, from my experience, it's parents not really knowing where to go, um, not really knowing, you know, what, what they need to do at home or, you know, if they can do anything at home and they've got a really short window, how to make the most out of that time. 
Um, and then also teachers in school, how they can facilitate that stuff at home for parents is, is really hard because, you know, different schools have got various different policies on homework and, you know, it can feel like a bit of a thing that you have to just give and try to run away really quickly because you don't want to see the parents' reaction. But really, something as simple as reading for, you know, five, ten minutes a day can be hugely impactful um, to, you know, children's overall learning experience. And I think that's key. I think that overall learning experience where it's all part of the same thing is really key because I, I, there was certainly when my children were going through, especially primary, that sense of these are school books and these are things I have to read and it's part of the, each section as you go through and part of the reading scheme. And here's the stuff that we might read at home because they're books that we know we know the kids really like. Um, and I think anything that can just sort of blend it into, it's just learning, it's just enjoyment, it's just sort of um, stepping into this world of imagination and story. And I think that then sort of breaks down that barrier a little bit. And it's I, I, that's where the sort of like, say, the staff and the parents sort of have that sort of over, overarching kind of idea of, you know, we know this is going to be great. And, um, and like I say, when you've got access to it and you know how to sort of implement it and how to be part of that, it it really sort of helps. I think, like I say, get rid of some of those distinct lines between this is school stuff and this is home stuff in inverted commas. Yeah, and I think it's... One of the things and I, I completely understand, you know, there's re it's really important that you teach those, you know, which is where those banded and those levels books that come in. It's really important that you teach, you know, phonics and, and decoding and all of those types of things. But more often than not, those books, which are often really dry and uninteresting and really uninspiring, they become children's whole view and vision of reading. They see reading as something that you sit and, and and tirelessly and really uh, perhaps begrudgingly trudge through because you have to do it and because you know you're at that level and you know you want to get to the next level because your friends are at that level but really what it should be is something that you are you know you're desperate to find out what's happened to this person in this book or you're really excited to discover the next part of this amazing world and it's a, it's a shame really that so many children miss out on that because either they're scared of reading because they perhaps don't have the confidence or because they hate it because all their experience of it has been these hideous decodable books and um and tell us a little bit about your journey within this because it's one thing having these ideas and and knowing this is the case it's another to be a teacher that then isn't a teacher but actually running a company that's doing these things so so talk us through that a little bit yes and it has been a journey i'll be honest mark it has been a journey so um i myself and my husband have always been you know quite quite big readers and and we met as he was he, he was working for a, a, a fintech company at the time and he was sort of starting up a business and and set it off um, and I was an uh, English leader at a complex needs school here in Norwich. I actually really loved the job. Um, it was probably, if, if, I, if I was ever going to retire in teaching, that would be the job I would retire in because it was just wonderful. Um, but I was really, I had a really lovely collection of, of readers in the school because a lot of the students either were unable to read or they didn't have the, the abilities um, in, in any way to, to access books. But I had a, a group that were really keen and really loved reading, but their parents either were unable to dedicate that time and also they were unable to perhaps read themselves. And this is something myself and my husband James would talk about. And he is 
has a, a vivacious appetite for everything, but also like innovation is his thing. And he at the time was commuting to and from Cambridge and had called me on one of his commutes and sort of said, what can we do for these parents? You know, these parents, they can recognize their children have got a disability, but how on earth can we help them and, you know, in, in, inadvertently help the children too? So it started with us creating a community for parents, uh, which was called the Freedom Readers at the time. And essentially it was just a community where parents could come and get recommendations from myself, tips on reading. Um, and at the time, obviously I was still teaching, so I could only give a certain amount to it. Um, and then James had left his previous job and we just decided, well, he decided to, you know, approach a marketing company and see if they had any ideas of how we could make this grow and what we could do to reach more parents. And with that, we then came to Reading Mate, which was the app at the time. And we launched in September 2020, a huge failed launch in September 2020. Um, there was a, a lot of technicalities that we hadn't foreseen and lots of things that we had massively under budgeted for and um, lots of things we wanted to add and needed changing. And then eventually um, by January, we uh, had January 2021, we had a, a product that was actually ready, ready to launch and ready to go. Um, and parents were devouring it, uh, especially after, you know, COVID and lots of parents just really wanted something that they could be doing that wasn't phonics or you know long division whatever it is something that was a little bit more engaging and they want i think lots of parents from what we've heard from our users is they just needed they wanted to get some control back um in some way shape or form and then um throughout that time we were funding that app and the development of the app by selling books to schools and i was speaking to one of our very close partner schools and 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 the teacher there actually said this is amazing I wish I could see because they had a collection of students and their school that were using Reading Mate. And she said, I wish I could see what they were doing. I wish I could. There was a window into what was happening. And then I mentioned it to James and it was in development, I suppose, about a week later, uh, which is where we then started uh, creating the software for schools, which is now Reading Hub. Um, so we kind of it was an, a, we tried to launch a, a beta version as it were earlier this year and that was a fail um unfortunately there was lots of uh, it turns out there's an awful lot of data that comes from schools when you try and um sort it with you know for the relevant bits and pieces you need so there was a lot of things that we needed to try and sort out and, and reorganize so we put that on ice for a bit and now we're relaunching again this september and we've currently got uh 525 schools ready for september and in the app itself we have got over we actually this week um broke the hundred thousand download mark so we've now got over 103,000 users and uh, of that our weekly user rate is 39,000, which is amazing because it means that at least 39,000 children are reading three times a week which for me as a teacher is is really humbling I just think that there are so many great um, insights there in, in terms of just learning generally, like you say, to, to go through something and then it deemed to be a fail in inverted commas. But of course, it, it it's a stepping stone, like I say, because it gives you the window to the next thing. It opens up more knowledge, more understanding, more conversations, the, 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 the latest path that you're going on. And um, I certainly know from having done the podcast, 
for this number of years that what you thought was the finished thing really isn't another few months later or a year later or let alone five years later and all that kind of thing but I think when when you hit those milestones like you say it's all about the children it's all about the opportunity which you're given so to, in such, such a short time really to then like say have that number of children that you're able to affect and have the support of the schools because I think you, you mentioned community before but I think that sense that we're no matter where our starting point is or our standing point is with all of the young people in our lives, the more that's sort of um, encompassing, I think the, the, the benefit really sort of leaps through for everyone involved. Yeah, I think it's, especially I think post, you know, post-COVID, I think schools more than ever now feel really very responsible for the communities that they serve. Um, and, you know, I think lots of teachers feel like that anyway. Um, there's, it, there's a lot of blurred lines when it comes between, you know, teacher and, and you know, or social worker or whatever it is. You just kind of, you, it's, it's all encompassing. But we, with, uh, with Reading Hub, we really want to try and, 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 and facilitate and support those relationships as much as possible. You know, parents need need the support, but teachers, are, you know, they've, they've got so, so much to do um, without thinking about what kind of things they should be doing or supporting their parents with at home. Um, so with, you know, with the app and with the software in school and then also the, 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 the access to the ebooks, we really would like schools to see and, and have more access to the support that they so vitally need at the minute, um, you know, with everything that's that's happened and have you been able to continue you said the whole thing started as a kind of a community for supporting people is that something which you're able to continue with as well yeah so we um so in terms of supporting the the parents we haven't got that so we initially we had this uh, facebook group um so obviously we we rebranded that and moved all of that and all of those followers to um to, to to reading mate and we did a survey sort of a, a basically just wanted parents to, to give us any the good the bad and the ugly of experiences of of reading mate and you know how they're finding it and they are fantastic at sort of telling you exactly what they need what's working and what's not working um and we have now seen for the last six months the the downloads just going up and up and up and the usage going up and up and up um in terms of the community we didn't want and i sort of I suppose after having quite a, a difficult or quite a few difficult situations with you know social media and things like that with schools and parents and teachers and learners we wanted to make sure that the app was really focused on just reading it wasn't about you know sharing liking commenting um you know i didn't want the the dialogue of the app to be about um you know that sort of social status i wanted it to be focused purely on developing your child's love of reading and you know facilitating and empowering parents as much as possible with the knowledge they need to motivate their children to read um, and just making them almost feel like they've got a kind of i suppose a support in home um, from school when perhaps the school isn't able to provide that support um, so in terms of i suppose the community aspect it's still there it's just in a, it's in a remote and a digital app um and it's, it's it's purely revolving around the learners motivations to read yeah because it's very easy like i say for the weeds to start to really grow and it just become about everything 
superfluous really which you just don't want it to do and then that takes up so much time and I think the one thing that I know and, and comes across is like I say the amount of work and effort and focus and continual development that you have you need to be very focused on what you're trying to achieve and how your time works works best with that and um and I'm curious in terms of like I said you have all this number of ebooks on there how do you go about having getting that access and allowing that to, to obviously work for people that can can get it free yeah so we've um, and this is something because obviously we've done a few, a few bits of marketing around it and, you know, we've spoken to a few schools about it and there's been lots of children's authors quite rightfully coming to us and saying, well, you're obviously ripping off authors. If you're giving away these ebooks for free, you're obviously ripping us all off. Um, and I completely understand why, you know, they would feel so viscerally um, angry about it because, you know, it does happen quite frequently. Unfortunately, you know, people think because you've published a book, you're going to make millions, but on a, an actual fact, the publishing companies make a lot of money from that. Um, so what we've done is we've actually, uh, we've, we've organized and we've, we've bought uh, an international license with a, a distributor, an ebook distributor, and um, they're, they're based in America. And we've essentially, we've bought the licenses for all, well, actually 130,000 children's ebooks um, so that the parents don't have to. So we buy the license and then at the minute, so we've got uh, just over 200 ebooks on there. And obviously some of them are public domain ones because we had to sort of trial um, how the app would cope with it and, you know, our servers and things like that. So we've got Winnie the Pooh on there and Alice in Wonderland. Um, but we've also got Harry Potter and Dary the Wimpy Kid um, and Roald Dolls on there. So we've bought the licenses to those books and made sure that we've got the licenses to those books and so parents will always have access to a book, irregardless of their financial background. Um, because I think we all know, we, as schools included, we all know books are very expensive resources. And, um, you know, some of them stand the test of time, but if they're being used a lot by lots of different children and they're going to and from home and book bags getting battered and all sorts, um, you know, they, they can sometimes show the signs of age. Um, so yeah, we've we've essentially we've bought the license so the parents don't have to. Yeah, and I think that's really important for people to to understand, sort of like say that practicality of that, and it's all all sorted and like say licensed yeah. and and that kind of thing. And I think, like we said at the beginning, it's that kind of opportunity, isn't it? We're, we're you're looking to give people the chance to learn, to start to read, to understand what it's like, and then the world is your oyster. And it might be that they go through all sort of hundred thousand books just as an ebook. It might be that they walk into a store and then are in a position to buy a book, or or however it happens happens to be. I think it's just it's like we said, it's experience an opportunity and from there um your job is done as it were and then you can support people as they go further further into their world yeah i mean it, and that's i mean you sort of hit the nail in the head, head there mark in that it is it's access um you know i think it's one in 17 children in the uk don't have don't have a book of the home at, at all don't have access um and and six percent of all of the children in the uk have never had books in their home so I mean, it doesn't sound like a lot as perhaps, you know, those figures aren't, aren't huge, but if that is the case and that continues throughout and, you know, primary, your primary school perhaps doesn't have a huge, you know, catalogue of, of books available, especially when you think, you know, it's actually not statutory for primary schools to have a library, but it is statutory for prisons to have libraries. So to me, that correlation seems really bizarre because I think, is it not causation? Like, should we not perhaps have libraries really fantastic inspiring libraries available be it digitally or physically to our children so that they are motivated to do whatever it is that they want to do 
um, or just, you know, learn about themselves and the, and the wider world around them. Because I think, you know, books are, more, are so often seen as a form of academia, aren't they? Or, you know, a way to learn. But they're actually a, a form of discovery. And it's a discovery not only of, you know, new civilizations, new cultures, but it's a discovery of yourself. Um, you know, I, I often, you know, books that I read, uh, more often than not, I, I, I understand more about my own experiences and my own emotions. And in when I see it, sort of mirrored back to me or you know if I've, I've read a, a you know a non-fiction book um so we are really passionate about giving children access to that discovery and that inspiration um which is why you know why we did buy the license fees and you know why we're, we're giving access to to primary schools so that they are able to give their communities access to to those books as well and i think also once you sort of really giving the bug to a child the last thing you want to do is to say yes I've got it this is I'm going to read this book and then it's not there because someone else has got it and then you've got to wait again and again the great thing about the digital world of course is that the access becomes much easier and that kind of thing and we should probably just touch in terms of the technology needed for this like you talk about the app and everything is there are there certain devices certain ways that people have to access it yeah so it's um it's available on all ios so the the reading hub home app is available on all ios and android devices um and and actually on ipads um we've, we've just really really done quite a lot of development on um, our ipad versions which is obviously much more beneficial for reading because it's bigger print and you know it's a, it, it perhaps feels a little bit more like a book because of the size um and then obviously the the school software is is all desktop based and um, we have had a, full, a few schools um, looking at, you know, because they would quite like, um, they've got lots of laptops available in schools. But for me, um, I, I would really like to, to, to continue it being used on, on tablets and, and, and iPads in schools only because it gives it a little that that less formal feel. Um, whereas if you're sort of sat upright at a, ta at a desk, you know, like you would perhaps if you're doing some work or typing or whatever it is, it doesn't feel it doesn't feel as much of a positive experience as it might do if you had a tablet and you were sat on a beanbag or, you know, you were sat comfortably on a floor. Um, so yeah, for, for me, it, it's about making it portable, um, but also making it accessible across, across all devices. Yeah. And I think that environment of actually doing it in a situation which you love, we talk a lot about, you know, what the school environment does look like or could look like and how you can influence those things. And it sounds, I, I love the sort of that philosophy behind it, that, you know, you could literally just take a tablet if you've got one available at school to go and sit somewhere quiet and be able to do that rather than like say, now it's reading time and you're all sat, yeah. like say, sitting up straight with a, with a device in front of you. It's a very different feeling, isn't it? Um, now, often when educators get involved in this type of thing there's the, the essence of it comes from either a, a teacher that's really inspired them or a school experience and you obviously mentioned your English teachers and obviously where that that was really important before but is there is there anyone else that you sort of remember and I guess maybe that sort of primary element from what you sort of said is what you're focusing on now and just sort of gave you something which you thought yeah there's something here which is, is spoken to me in a way which is often above and beyond just sort of that educational experience. Yes, I, I mean, so my, my primary school teacher, Miss Johnson, um, who literally lived opposite, opposite the school, um, she just had this unwavering positivity about her. She was just, she was almost a, a, like a real life Miss Honey. She was just so happy and calm and we would have the the most and this is i think this was probably i want to say year three year four so i would have been about eight seven or eight 
and we, we used to have um, carpet time, which was which is essentially story time. And I used to devour, and then it was the best part of my day, always the best part of my day. She would read these stories, and it felt like it would go on for hours. But in actual fact, that I later um, had discussions with her because she still lives in the same house opposite the same school. Um, and it actually was only 15 minutes slot at the end of the day. And she said it was it was mainly as a way of behavior regulation because it would calm everyone down before the bell would go. Um, but it was just great. And I actually saw her more recently. Um, and she I, somehow, you know, I, the last time she would have seen me would have been when I was seven or eight. And she still recognized me. And she knew exactly where I used to sit on the carpet. She knew who my brother was and she knew who my mum was. She's been retired now for probably 10, 15 years. And I just think, you know, that it just really exemplifies to me that how really special um, teachers are. And that it's, uh, yeah, she's just a, a hugely remarkable lady. And I, I am... Um, I owe a lot to her and her, her passion and, and also, I suppose, her, her demeanour with me because I was quite, uh, well, not difficult, but I just used to ask a lot of questions and ask for more, always, more stories, more reading, always. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, and is there a piece of advice that you've been given or maybe a piece of advice you give your younger self now that you, you think has been valuable? It's, so I think for me, um, through throughout school, I, I learning never came uh, never came easy to me. I always felt like I was kind of middle of the road, if not below my peers, and I never could get anything quickly. Um, I was it always took an awful lot of work for me to really understand something properly. Uh, that's why I never really got on with maths because I just couldn't. The mental arithmetic was too much for me. Um, so for me, it would it'd be consistency and and knowing that the juice is worth the squeeze as it were and that you right now can't see the results but that doesn't mean in you know four months time or six months time that, that, that they won't be there um there are lots of times trying to i remember trying to do my mass homework mom and she was really she was very good with numbers and she would be like why don't you get it why don't you get it I just, and i just couldn't i just didn't understand it um but I think now I, I really appreciate my extra tutor lessons that I had after school every week um, in the blistering hot summer before my GCSEs and, and, and extending the time that I had on my coursework and all that sort of stuff. Um, it kind of taught me quite a lot of resilience and knowing that um, not everything's going to come really easy, but if you're consistent, it, it will you'll get there in the end. Yeah, I love that. And and one of the things we've been talking about here recently is a book called The Slight Edge. Um and 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 that sense of just often what you need to do is just what you need to do, you know, turn up to your lessons, you know, pay attention, ask the questions. It's not about the the things that you think make something massively different, you know, it's just about doing all those regular things and doing them properly because by the end of that, you've kind of achieved more than sort of i can't remember what the statistics are now but say 90 percent of of people because they haven't done their homework or they they didn't really pay attention or they didn't ask for the help that they needed and actually just by doing what you can do and using the support around you it puts you in that sort of top tier of just giving yourself the best chance of what you need and, and i think that that just reminded me of that you know just keep going just do what you can do and just uh like say be the best person you can with what you have and getting the support that you need whatever that whether you're 
whatever you deem to be high flying or struggling or whatever subject you need extra help with or whatever it happens to be just just do what you can do and and with that comes the the fulfillment like you say and the passion that you want to spend your life doing and how you move forward yeah i, I mean absolutely I, I remember we i used to run quite a lot of revision sessions with my uh, key stage four students and it feels all-encompassing sometimes, that kind of stuff. But, I, you know, I'd always say just eat the elephant one bite at a time because there's no way you can have it all in one go. You know, you have to be just a little bit every now and then. And as long as you're, yeah, regular with it, it'll, it'll all come good. I love that. Bite the elephant. Eat the elephant one bite at a time. Fantastic. Yeah. I'm going to gonna remember that. It's got <laughs> a great image in my head. <laughs> um, we know that um, resources have a big impact on, on people's lives. So is there a resource that you'd like to share? And it can be anything from a podcast, a book, a film, song, anything that's had an impact. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's two. So I, am, I, I love podcasts. I really do. I think it's a fantastic format. Um, I really, I devour the Diary of CA by Stephen Bartlett. I think that's a really great, it's, an, it's, a, it's not a business led podcast. It's just, a, you know, generally a really good life advice um, podcast. Um, and I'm forgetting the author now, but the uh, uh, Ramanak of Naval Ramakan is an amazing, I want to say memoir, but it's a book, essentially a collection of this, a series of tweets by this, this one very wise angel investor who essentially just talks through all of the things that we get to in our own heads about, about, you know, love, relationships, health, um, business. And it was just a really kind of eye opening experience for me. And one, one bit that really stuck out to me, which I suppose pains me as a, as a teacher of English and, you know, obviously the founder of Reading Hub is, you know, there isn't a, there isn't a set order and routines of things. And, um, to take, for example, reading a book, I mean, this obviously wouldn't work for a fiction book. If it's, if you've got a nonfiction book or you've got a huge pile of nonfiction books that you really want to read, you don't have to read it chronologically. Just read the books that you want, you know, are you going to give you the most value or read the chapters that you know are going to give you the most value and then go back if you think you want some more. Um, but, you know, so much of our time is sort of paralysis over by analysis that we spend so much time deliberating over things that actually if we just you know, jumped in and just got it done and started, then we probably save ourselves so much time. Uh, Absolutely. So yeah. Don't worry about doing it right. <laughs> That's yeah. the other thing. It's like say, hey, you know, has yeah. to look like this or this is how you go about it. Yeah, love that. Fantastic. Um and, and just as we round up, um, fire is an important part of of education on fire, obviously. And and the acronym we use is for feedback, inspiration, resilience, and empowerment. And I'm always just curious, what's the thing that just suddenly strikes you when, when you hear that for the first time? So feedback, inspiration, resilience. And empowerment and it may just be there's sort of one part of that that you feel is really important i would say don't be too proud to admit that you need feedback and um, that's been something that throughout my teaching career i've always i've always struggled with it i felt like it was a huge dig at me personally but understanding that feedback is something that is related to you know either the business or the lesson or I don't know whatever it is that you've done it's never ever personal it's just it's something about an act or service that you've provided that perhaps just needed a little bit of fine-tuning fantastic really really important and like I say taking the personal out of it is the hardest thing for so many people <laughs> it's definitely something I'm still learning I'm obviously myself and my husband we run reading hub together so um, trying to separate the personal from the private is something we definitely are still learning fantastic so 
tell people where they can find out more information and and, and I guess from like say those two separate areas of schools and parents how they can how they can get in touch absolutely so um you can find out we've got um readingmate.co.uk which is our website and it's got all of our information on uh, reading hub software for schools and we also have free downloadable resources on there for teachers um, including you know, whole school reading strategies and and ways to build inclusive classrooms um my we've got we're on twitter and facebook so we're, we're reading mate on twitter facebook and linkedin and um, and my name's hannah ricks i'm on linkedin obviously um and i'll leave my contact details underneath if anybody would like to get in touch about our free trial of uh reading hub for september fantastic thanks so much and yeah we'll have we'll have copies and links of all those things on the show notes so do just click through there if you need to hannah Thank you so much. It's been really fascinating chatting to you. And, and on behalf of all those children that are getting the option and the, and the opportunity to, to read when they wouldn't do, then thanks very much and keep up the great work. No worries. Thank you so much for having me, Mark. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening and being part of this wonderful community. With over 300 episodes, I've collated 20 resources from guests that have been on the show to help you in your educational journey and those of you involved with young people. Just go to educationonfire.com and you can sign up on the homepage. Thanks for listening to the Education on Fire podcast. For more information of each episode and to get in touch, go to educationonfire.com. Education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire.